Hello, I'm Pia, a married, semi-employed, full-time graduate student mom from Atlanta with two boys, Andrew, 12, and Emmanuel, who is three. Hi, I'm Brianne, a stay-at-home mom from New York City that currently lives in Houston, Texas with my husband and three young children. They are six years and under. Brianne, what's new with you today? Um, nothing, but today I have one of my friends here with us. Hello. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. What's your friend's name? Savali, and I have her be here because she's here to talk about her birth, which honestly is my favorite birth story ever. I can't I, wait to hear it. I love birth stories. I really do. I'm very passionate about birth. I'm very passionate about um, women having choices during birth, but her story is by far the best. And she has her baby here with her, so there'll be a little extra Hello, baby. baby. Yes. I'm so excited on. <laughs> Absolutely. There'll probably be a little bit of suckling you guys will hear, but. Um, That's okay. Yeah. So, Sabal, do you want to um, tell us a little bit about your birth or your second birth? And yeah, well, um, I did my second um, little one. Um, his name is Reth. Reth is about, uh, he's going on six months now. And um, I did uh, an unassisted birth, also known as autonomous birthing, or some people might refer to it as a free birth. I definitely refer so, to So hold on, sure. when you say unassisted, you were just by yourself. Okay. Was, explain unassisted. So there, I realize in the unassisted world, there's many different types of unassisted. Okay. Unassisted pregnancy, meaning okay. that you get no prenatal medical care. Okay. Um, I decided at about 27 weeks mm -hmm. to go unassisted. Um, and I can go into why I made that decision. Okay. But basically at 27 weeks, I decided to take the pregnancy into my own hands and that included, um, the, the labor. Okay. Um, so for me, every woman's kind of different, but my focus was on the labor because of what happened with my daughter, my, my daughter, who's about She's going to be three in April. Okay. I attempted to do an at-home birth with the midwife, and then I had to do a transfer. Then I went to the hospital, and I was one of the fortunate women that when I went to the hospital, they had their own midwives at this particular hospital, so I still was able to birth natural, vaginal, no medicine, blah, blah, but because of that, I was left with... Um, I, and I, I, I don't like to use the word birth trauma because I know some women who truly had real right. birth trauma and, you know, just right. it diminishes what that term is. But I was left with unresolved conflict okay. because of that. And I needed to address that. And um, when I got pregnant with him, I started seeing those same red flags. And at that time, they weren't talking so much about Black women in the medical um you know, arena and what was happening with our birth rates and stuff like that. That wasn't talked about that often. Like I would see an article here, right. but now we're all talking about right. the infant mortality and maternity rates and stuff like that. And it started to make sense. Like I'm not being respected, even if right. it wasn't consciously, okay. you know, it was, I wasn't being respected and I was picking up on that. Right. And I decided that this time around, yeah, he's serious about his note. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, this time around, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to be in the bed saying I let this happen. Again. Okay. So I okay. said I have to do what's necessary. If you wouldn't mind, 
when you say you wouldn't let this happen again, what do you believe that you did with your pregnancy with your daughter that did allow, like, since you're using the word that you let it, what part did you play or what could you have done differently? So with Kamaria, my first daughter, um, so, so I was cautious about not being like overconfident. Okay. Because what happened was I kept going to see my midwife and, you know, we would do the prenatal checks and stuff like that. And I kept saying to myself, I could do this myself. Wow. You know, but it was my first pregnancy. What do I know about being pregnant? I didn't know anybody else who did unassisted. I did know, like, women in Africa do this every day with just them and their mom. Nobody's running to the doctor or seeing a, a you know, certified medical professional called a midwife. But why do I need to see somebody? But I didn't want to allow me being, you know, I didn't have anything to go by. So I was like, you know, just go with the flow, go with your midwife. Yeah, this is how it's done, you know, the lay of the land. And, um, but deep inside, my intuition kept saying, you know what? My midwife does not truly believe in the process of birth. Okay. Right. But I couldn't act on that because I didn't really know the process of birth. Right. I just knew that she, she it, I could feel it. Like she didn't say, okay, we're just going to let you do your thing. And if something happens, that's what I, because that was always my understanding of why we had midwives. Okay. Birth happened millennials before we had a concept of medicine or OBs and stuff like that. So just allow the birth to happen. And then if something happens, if I see you're in distress, the baby's in distress, then I intervene. But I kept feeling that's not what this woman's really about. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Um, I, I, I had this thing called failure to progress. Okay. And failure to progress is something that they always slap new mothers with because things are not happening on their time. Right. And birth doesn't happen that way. No, it no. doesn't. It does nothing, right? You guys are mothers two, three times over. Nothing happens that way. So why are you telling me I'm not progressing? So I fell into, I fell into that. They're, they're taught that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're totally oh, yeah, taught that. Yeah, they're absolutely. And then if it doesn't happen in this time frame, then we and have... these things are going to go wrong. wrong. Yeah, and so all these things are going to go wrong. And the reality is that we're talking about people trying to see why, you know, because we, I, I also know on, on the other stance is that if something did happen, then that would leave her liable, and then people sue people left and right for everything. And so you can understand. I, I completely, I completely. So there was a part of me that couldn't be so upset. So that's the reality. I didn't, the only person I wanted to be upset with this time is me. Okay. You okay. know, I didn't want to put my focus, my my control and authority to somebody else. Okay. Right. Because I know and felt that. I have this, I got this. What do I need to run to somebody else for? And um, again, like I said, I went to midwife with them in the beginning and the red flags were there. And I said, I just, I'm not gonna put myself in that position. Right, and we, and we actually went to the same midwives. Um, so what was the straw that broke? No, first of all, tell us some of the red flags and the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. And before you go there, I have one question to ask. Did you all, were you all seeing a midwife in a OBGYN practice, or yes. were you seeing a freestanding midwife? Okay. So my, my first one with Kamari was a freestanding midwife. Okay. And I will say I really did like the experience. They you're able to see her for a full hour. Okay. You know, you're you're able to any questions you had was addressed. So I I and even with him, 
I would have probably seen a midwife, but I realized what I want is a traditional midwife. Okay. Not a certified midwife, not a professional midwife, because those still have like medical certification and I'm not looking for medical certification. You want a traditional I want a traditional midwife who understands and truly believes in the power and the natural process of, of Okay. Birth. And so Brianna, your uh midwife was a was a it, it was, there was certified nurse. Certified, certified nurses, nurses. now okay. And the second birth she had she was with the same group I was with. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've left this group as well. <laughs> but um so she started, you, you went to this group, because mm-hmm. why? Why did you not go to, well, back to my question. Tell okay. me about some of the red flags. Okay, so some of the red flags for me. Okay. Everybody has their own, you know, issues that they're sensitive enough. But when I would tell them just a little bit about what I was experiencing or even with my first part. So I'm very sensitive to my body, and I knew at, 12 weeks, I felt my daughter kick. And she said, you couldn't possibly feel that. It was your first birth. And I was like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. And I know I've read that like smaller women can feel sooner. Or even if you're just, well, you didn't get it. I small. Exactly. So if they're more forward. But the point is like, I was like, no, I. She's discounting your experience. She's discounting my experience on a very surface, superficial way. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm telling you what I felt, but fine. Uh, then there was just, and, and so then with the, the modern setup where you go to a group of midwives that are established at a hospital, is that you don't get to actually see that particular midwife. Like if you have a good connection with one midwife, you never know who you're going to birth with. Okay. And I didn't want to leave myself open up to that again. I'm like, listen, no. I'm not feeling her and knowing the universe. That's exactly who's going to show up. And that's exactly who showed up for my birth. So I was like, you know what? I don't, want to, I don't want to have to deal with it. But I said, guess what? This time we have insurance. We don't have to come out of pocket. My insurance will cover this birth. You know, let me do what's... All the practical reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me do what's financially sound for my household instead of trying to get my husband, you know, we making payment plans for a birth. So I said, let me just do this. So I continued to roll. Then it was the ultrasounds. Now, I know there's controversial information out there about ultrasounds, but there's still no clinical testing saying the efficacy and the safety of ultrasounds. The research shows that when you put that type of high-powered radiation, well, it's not radiation, but sound waves to a developing body, it can cause the surface to heat up in various areas. Mm-hmm. Now, the issue is that if you have a developing fetus, you never know what might not be properly developed. He or she may not be strong enough to withstand those um, waves. And they're just like penetrating and they're holding it and they're looking at And my thing is, even with Kamaria, I got one ultrasound. And I think that's all that a, a, a fetus should have to experience but with me they did like two or three because they thought they saw something and then and then I was like you know this is just too much there's too much medical intervention for a normal pregnancy now I say this this is a caveat no normal okay that means that you don't have a lot of medical history with issues you didn't have gestational diabetes with your last one which I still question that but you are relatively healthy. Your baby's re- relatively healthy. Oh, excuse us. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so those that was the case with me again this time. And I'm like, why am I doing this? So the straw that broke the camel's back was the um, the glucose test, which comes in around 26 weeks. Mm-hmm. So are you are you talking to Zuzu? Um, so the he's glu- telling his story. Yes, he's like, I was there. I was there the entire time. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I know that when it comes to taking the glucose test, what they're really looking for, they're looking for, um, how your body responds to glucose in a certain amount of time. If your blood sugar spikes, then it goes back down, blah, blah, blah. First of all, that's why people take their, their own blood, you know, their own glucose test at home. And that's what I did with my first midwife. I did for two or three weeks straight. I did my own testing. So I got up in the morning, I test my resting, then I ate, then I tested again, da, da, da. And so with them in uh, a more clinical setting, they make you take, you know, 50 grams of some clear, gloopy concoction, and then you have to sit there and get tested. Well, I was like, well, what's an alternative? There was many alternatives to this test. You can drink, you know, a cup of freshly squeezed orange juice and jelly beans. Jelly beans, right? There's so many tests. And they were like, well, we don't offer an alternative. And I was like, this, I'm like, you don't offer an alternative. And again, this was a red flag. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to take something. I don't eat 50 grams of sugar in one setting, maybe. I don't know. Maybe two or three grams, but I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I was like, you can't even, what is in that? Do you even know what's in that? And they were looking at me and I'm like, I want the ingredient insert of what is in that product that you're going to make me take. Lo and behold, of course, it had like corn syrup. Of course. It had like dextrose, da-da-da-da. All of those things are genetically modified byproducts of the corn industry that the pharmaceuticals are repackaging. I'm not going to do that. So I said, that's it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it, but I'm not doing that. So I just, I just wind up leaving. And that was relatively easy because I thought they were going to start pestering me. But I think they probably said, we don't want her back here. She seems like she's going to be a problem and I don't want to have to deal with her. So I didn't get any calls back from them other than that, you know, they were like, well, when are you going to schedule again? And I said, you know what? I'm going to transfer and my new midwife is going to get the records. And they said, okay. So I never heard from them again. So I was very grateful for not having to deal with that. But then I was left with, well, I'm like 28, 29 weeks. I now have to find a midwife. And I was like, which is hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of midwives and I don't know if there, it might be technically a, a rule that, you have to be with a midwife for so long before they agree to take you on for your birth. I'm not sure, but I was just concerned. And then that's when um, a friend of mine, who was actually my doula, she was my doula with my first birth. She had she was pregnant at the same time, and she that's why she couldn't be my doula because she was like eight months pregnant. And she said, you know what, me and my husband just can do this ourselves. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like do this ourselves. And that's when I said, okay, what is this thing called unassisted birthing? And that's when it was it was like Alice in Wonderland. I went down this rabbit hole to this whole world that I did not know existed. And what opened up is one, the lacking of what we have for women's health care in general. Black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. And then two, yet alone, what Black women don't have in the realms of proper female health care. 
And I'm just, I'm just so grateful for that decision. That decision was very pivotal in what I now know and understand of what we need to have a successful birth and what it means to birth and power. Yet alone, the actual natural process of birthing and medical, the medical community does not respect the power of birth. So what did you, how did your husband feel when you told him, I'm going <laughs> to, I think funny. we should just do this by ourselves. So I remember telling my husband, cause I was pondering on it. And I know my husband, he, um, he's, he looked at me, my husband's very, very clinical and he's very logical. And I said, okay, I have to get all the information I can before <laughs> I say something. So I thought I, I did. Yeah. I got to do my research. You know, my husband. Uh, so I did what I thought was adequate. And he looked at me and he was like, well, I'm no midwife. And I was like, I don't need you to be a midwife. And he's like, yeah, you do. And at that point, that let me know the paradigm. The paradigm for birthing is somebody's always in charge. Well, right. who's going to manage this? Who is the, the orchestrator, you know, like the conductor of this like symphony? I need to... And I'm like, no, that's what this is about. There is nobody responsible. You just need to go sit over there and yeah. my back when I <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like that, it really is that, that simple. And so it was because of that, that, and I'm grateful for that question because that's when I went back to realize what the general issue we have here. And then I did some research. So I did a research, I read a ton of books. Um, I did some consultations with some people who were more um, experienced in this area than I was. And that's when, after that, it was just like smooth sailing. What was the best book that you read? Uh, the, well, it was a little Kindle book written by a woman, and it was called Unassisted Birth. Is it by Laura Kaplan? Oh, it might be. By Laura Kaplan? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I think she that's... She five children unassisted. Unassisted, yeah. I mean, she's good for her. And then she challenged so herself people. and said she wants to do it all by herself without her husband. Yeah. Well, see, my <laughs> husband kept asking me these questions, and I said, you know, I'm just going to fake, you know, spont spontaneous birthing. I'm just not going to tell them anything. I'm just going to go in the birth and just do this by myself. I'll be like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know. About that. Like, he was, because he, my husband kept asking me these questions. And I'm just like, this is where I think the men, males versus female um, chasm is. I don't have the answers you need. I just know the answer. I know. Yes. And that's the part that this birth, if anything, metaphysically was me addressing fears and me addressing who I know I am that I may not be able to articulate. Right. You know, like that's what this was like. I can't explain to you. I just know and right. respect that. Right. And that was hard at first. It was very hard. Because you had to feel safe for this blessed baby. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I completely understand the roles were reversed, but it's just like, respect that and let's just let's just go with that but with that said he was like well i need at least somebody here and so i through my free birthing so i am part of the free birth society which is a group of women who advocate autonomous birthing on their own terms i was able to find a basically a birth keeper not someone who comes in to do anything she's just there to be an assistant to the mother and for me because i was so well prepared I could tell her, I need this, I need that, or whatnot. So when the birth came, again, when, when I was able to take all, when I addressed my fears, what I really was afraid of, what, what, if, what happens if he came out and he was, he was not breathing? What was I gonna be able to do? What happens if the cord prolapsed? What was I, like, I, when I really addressed those things, and I'm like, I'm cool, I'm good, I got this, 
Then when the birth came, I was completely like, okay, let's do this. And then I wind up having him in like 45 minutes because I think for me, it was psychological. With her, it was psychological because every time I start getting upset, I start having contractions. And I'm like, well, this couldn't be a natural response. This is a biochemical mm-hmm. cycle response because I'm being stressed the hell out. Yeah. When I wasn't stressed the hell out, he came and I also said, I'm not pushing because I believe the body knows how to get the baby out. Fetal ejection. So how did it start? Just tell us about the birth. Yes. Okay. So that morning I woke up, it was Wednesday and I was at the, the, the kitchen. I was in the kitchen making my daughter's lunch. And I felt a strong surge. I'm also really big on hypnobirthing because I feel that hypnobirthing helps address psychologically how you're able to, if you need to zone out, but still maintain. Because that's what I was concerned of with my first birth. Because they're like, oh, the pain is just so that everybody talks about the pain and hyper pain. And I feel that when you allow that fear of pain, you're willing to do everything. That's when you're like, give me the epidural, cut them out. Oh my God, I can't. And I said, I don't want to go that route. I don't, I don't want to go that route. I need the tools, the psychological tools to be able to stay in this game and manage. And that's what um, hypnobirthing gave me. And so when I felt a strong surge, I was like, Oh, this baby's coming. This right. baby's coming. So, Bali, hold yes. just, we need to take a quick break and we will come right back. Okay, so, Bali, we were talking about the surge. Yes, so the surge. <laughs> yes, yes. So, that's just that term surge comes from the hypnobirthing, okay. the hypnobirthing language, because they don't say contractions, they say okay. it's a surge. And surge. Because you're on a wave, and it is like waves. Um, so that morning I was preparing Kamaria's breakfast and I felt a strong surge so much so that I had to kind of just focus and breathe through it. And that's when I'm like, okay, this baby's definitely coming. That was Wednesday. And, you know, I was thinking that maybe he would come by the weekend because it was a, I think it was a full moon that Friday. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have a full moon baby. So, um, my husband said, you know what, I'll take Kamari to school because I was still getting up every morning, still taking her to school. At this point, I'm like 41 and like five days or something like that. And in the hypnobirthing world, we don't, there's no such thing as overdue or whatnot because that's another thing. Right. Oh, if you go to 42 weeks or 43 weeks, now you have to be a deuce and you have to get the baby out and all this other craziness. And um, just in that world, like there's just no support in that. Like I heard a story of a woman who went to 45 weeks and she gave birth in the snow in like North Dakota. Like, it's just, you know, just the reality. We can just do so many great things when you just take the bullshit out. (laughs) So I, you know, that morning, my husband took Kamaria. I said, you know what, I'm going to go and take a nap, but my doula was going to come in and she was going to do some like massaging and stuff. So we were sitting and talking. She was asking me, how are you feeling? You know, are you coming, you know, close to or whatnot? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I did tell her about that noticeable surge I had earlier. And then she said, "Um, well, you know, let me give you some like acupuncture or whatnot or a pressure puncture on your feet. You know, I think she said this helps kind of get labor started or whatnot. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So she did that. We sat and talked and then she went and then I made myself a lunch. And at this point, it's like 1.45 and I'm on the phone with my sister-in-law and we're talking. And it was like 2.15 and I felt a size, I felt a surge. And I told my sister-in-law, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have to call you back. <laughs> and at that point, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, 
do you know, and I mean, like you, you guys went through labor. So I've never know, been in labor before. Oh, ever? Ever. ever. <laughs> yeah. okay. well, we'll talk about that okay. on okay. next okay. episode. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, when you have to, so in the stages of labor, especially from a midwife perspective, they tell you that if you have to kind of stop to focus, that's when you know you're kind of further, you're along. Okay. And at that point, I had to get off the phone and I said, Ooh, you know, I'm like, well, let me just focus and breathe through this. And I'm like, okay, I really had to take myself out of that. And I said, you know what, let me call my husband. So this is at this point now, it's 2.31. I remember calling him and I said, you know what? I don't feel like I should be on the road right now. Like, can you pick up Kamaria from school, maybe put her into aftercare or whatnot? And um, I'll just see you guys when you get home. Then I called my doula back and I said, you know, I knew she was off that day from work. And I said, you know, I felt another sizable surge. Do you think you could just come give me like a massage? I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to get back in the bed. And she's like, sure, I'll be there in about 20 minutes or so. She didn't look far for me. So that's when I got into the shower and I was like, oh, okay, that was an interesting surge. And that's when I felt another one. And then that's when I could feel my, I could feel my body. I could feel my dilating at that point. I wow. could feel the dilation because I felt the surge and I could feel a pull. And that's when the mucus plug and stuff started coming out. So maybe that happened like two or three more times. I could feel a pull and then plop, plop, plop. And I'm in the shower and I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, really? And then I'm like, then the only time I had like real distress was like, I'm like, I'm in the shower and she's coming to the door. I have to get, get out, out the shower, shower and walk to the door. <laughs> so I had to kind of like say, okay, let's make it back to the door. So I made it to the door and then I opened the door for her. At that point, this is like 2.58 at that point. So then I go back and get in the shower and then I have another surge and she looks at me and she's like, yeah, I'm just going to set up your birth area. Because at this point, because of what happened with my first one, you know, Kamari, I started technically going into labor that Sunday and he gave birth until Thursday. So I was just, I still thought, okay, well, you know. You have time. Yeah, I have time. I was like, okay, well, I have time and this is why I need to just manage. Because if it's this intense now and it's like maybe a, a day or two. You imagine right? So Yeah, so I was like, let me just like, this is what it's going to be like. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to set up the birth, the birth area. So she laid down the chucks pads and all that stuff. And the next thing I knew, um, I was in the shower and then I got out the shower and I was just laying over the side. And that's when like, I had like another major surge. And that's when she did like just some, some back tingles like this, relax, slow your shoulders. And she's like, oh, I see his head. And it really was, and I would say two, two surges later, his head was presented and he was still, the sack was still. So your husband's not even home Nobody's now. home, yeah. It's just me and me and her. And um, your husband doesn't even really know you're at this stage. No, 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 <laughs> no, not at all. So then um, he, so that he's, his head was out and then his shoulders was out and he was still in the sack. And so I was um, like holding him because I'm waiting. Be a blessing, right? Yeah, yeah. The Latin community. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when the baby's born completely in cold. And so I'm just like holding the sack and I'm just, and I'm waiting. And that was the other lesson that I was, I learned from the first one. I tore with my daughter and I know I tore because they told me to push and I'm anti-pushing because I do not believe you have to push. Now, if it's a natural urge for some women, they do feel like they have to push and they do. But 
this thing where you have a drill surgeon saying, and push, come on, mama, and push. That's ridiculous. And I was like, I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to let my body naturally push. And that's what happened. You, you know, he was born in sack. I did not have to push. And I did not tear. So my intuition. Were you sitting, stooping? No, no, I was kind of. I was on, I was like kind of on all fours okay. and then I kind of squatted up just a little bit so I can catch him and just hold. And it seemed like that last surge just took forever because after his head and shoulders were presented, I'm like, what are we still waiting for? And it was just waiting <laughs> and waiting, but I didn't want to push. And then finally the, he came and then he, you know, he so came the down. Oh, sorry, the, the, surge. the surges, the surges were actually pushing him out. Yeah. 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 That's I did. Yeah. I didn't do anything. I literally, that was my goal. I did not want to participate outside of just mentally being there. I was not going to be manipulating or anything. And so we came out and when he came out, basically at that point, that, that was, last search was pretty forceful. And so he came out when he hit the, the floor, basically, and I caught him. That's when the, the back finally broke. And then I just sat there. And There's then, a picture of you with him in the back. Yeah. And you're holding him, right? Yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Um, no, it's not in the bag because we oh. weren't able to get that after. Was, oh, yeah. okay. And so then um, he's out and then I'm just sitting there and I think maybe 15 minutes the placenta was finally born. You know, I birthed the placenta and that was it. And then at that point, I can hear my husband's truck direct come up and that's now it's 331 oh, and he walks in and I can hear them quiet because he told my daughter, the baby's trying to come, so we need to be quiet because we thought it was going to be a few days and mommy's going to have to be quiet. And he looks and so he's cool. like, what's going on? And I'm like, here's it. it. Is. <laughs> you were on the phone with your sister-in-law, what, at 2.31? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was on the phone with her at 2.15. Uh, 2.15, okay. And then I was on the phone with him at 2.30. That's right. And then at 3.30, 3.31, 3 He's coming in the door. Yeah. And he, he was so proud. He was like, oh, and because I also, nobody knew it sex. And so I'm like, the baby's here. And he's like, oh my goodness, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> it was that a boy. So it was a really, really good experience. I really enjoyed it so much. So I'm like, do I want to do this again? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it sounds like that, right? Just go and have a baby. Exactly. <laughs> that's how it's done. Oh my gosh. That. That's an amazing story. Yeah. I'm so glad that you were able to share it with us. Now, what did we say we were going to go back to? With the hypnobirthing? Yeah, tell us a little bit about hypnobirthing before so, we wrap up. Okay, hypnobirthing is just a general concept of, again, gentle birthing and understanding that birthing does not have to be painful. And, you know, the images we see on television and women screaming and crying and hooper and hollering. And the reality is that what, two, three generations, these people had like 10, 13, 15 children. You can't go through that type of pain 13 times, right? Like it's some things just can't. No, right. No woman in her right mind would like just put themselves through that if it really was that problematic. Now, yes, there are stories of women dying in childbirth and the baby dying too. And that's still happening exactly. in, in, under so-called, right? We have the so-called best medical uh, system in the world, and that's still happening. So something has is not right. So for me, my background is in psychology. I feel that there's not enough emphasis on the psychological factors that are impeding a proper birth from a mother's perspective, yet alone from medicine. And Black women in medicine need to, we know 
what how we've been utilized and, and, and how our bodies have been manipulated for, for years for the pursuit of medicine. And so I feel that we need to actively take ourselves out of that arena um, with education and evidence-based, not just because, oh, I don't want to do it, don't do it. But we need to find a better way for us to have um, a relationship that is going to benefit us for women of color um, when it comes to medical care and, and um, holistic um, wound care. So, but um, hypnobirthing just quickly just gives you the technical tools to be able to address your birth, whether you had, you know, your mother might've told you how bad you were when actually having you, because sometimes that women are affected by that, you know, mm -hmm. hearing over and over again how bad that birth was, um, yet alone having previous birth traumas, and then what to do when you're in active labor in the different phases, you can use the breathing techniques, the affirmations, the visualizations. And I just think they're really good tools that all women should have, regardless whether you birth in the hospital or not, um, because that way you can maintain your control um, because that nobody can take that away from you. So again, there's hypnobirthing, hypnobabies, there's all these different programs out there, but you just download some of them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You could go on YouTube and see. And, and how I was impressed was that I was at the birth fair. The birth fair is a, annual event we have every year here in Houston, the first Saturday of October. And that's where all the midwives, all the birth centers come together to, to do this um, like conference and, and at the United Way up there on Hawa. And anyway, I was at a little breakout session where there was an OB who actually had a hypnobirthing experience herself that she take and she showed everybody. Now this woman was able to put herself under a trance. I've never, I've never been able to. I took the classes that. too. I was never able no, to no. put myself. I mean, I could, was able to control my pain before I had, before I went into labor, but my, my, um, my labor was induced. So it was a different circumstance, but I could like, if I hit myself, I was able to do the technique and stop the pain. I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so in uh, her, she, she put herself in the trance and literally you saw her zone out and her belly just did all the work for her. And it was just like poof, poof, poof. And the next thing you know, they did, they caught the baby for her and she was kind of slowly coming too. And I was just like, wow, that's really powerful. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, but again, I realized just with, with general hypnosis, not every, you can't hypnotize everybody. I don't know, maybe my brain is always just moving too fast. I just couldn't do it. But what I did learn was very valuable. And um, I'm just very grateful for that. And hypnobirthing are also techniques you could use in any scenario. Like anytime you need to kind of bring the focus back to you, just like if you practice yoga, it's your breath. Meditation. Yeah, meditation is your breath. The breath is what controls it. And so that's, I think everybody needs to, you know, just at least investigate that to see where they might be able to get some good techniques in life from. Well, thank you for, yes. for talking thank to us today. Thank you, Oh, you guys are welcome. I always love, and now because of this, I always love talking about birth stories. I do, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because I feel that there's so much we can learn. And of course, ultimately, the doctors are going to be like, well, we just want a healthy baby. But at what cost oh, do right. we want a healthy baby? We all want healthy babies. We all want to be healthy and, and, and um, live, right? But I feel that 
there's too much fear mongering around everything in birth and it's not necessary. And what we see is that too much medical intervention is actually what's causing problems in people's lives. I would agree. Well, thank you for coming. Next time, Brianna and I will talk about our birth experiences. And who knows, maybe Savali will join us again to to interject some wisdom into our conversations. But um, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check us out at www.mommywhereismyshoe.com. We are also on Instagram at mommywhereismyshoe. And that's it. That's all that we can manage. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.